Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Hello, Harvest KL. It's such a joy to be able to bring the word to you once again here from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and especially on this day. I know that maybe for many of you, you'll be seeing this the day after Christmas, but I do hope that this message will warm your heart with joy. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been so loved by somebody that you just felt so good by this love? You know, maybe it's someone who would get you gifts. Maybe someone who would encourage you, tell you that you're doing things well, encourage you when you're not doing things well. Maybe this is your spouse. Maybe it's your child, your parents. Or maybe it's a friend. Or maybe you've been the person who's encouraged someone else. You've been the person who's loved someone else with the kind of love that is self-sacrificing. Maybe you're the kind of person who would lose your life for your spouse. Well, maybe even for you, maybe you haven't had someone in your life that's been like that, or maybe you haven't been able to be that kind of person. But no matter your situation, I bet it's a lot easier to love someone who you like. Maybe it is your spouse or your friend. But I bet it's a lot harder to love your enemies. I can think of a person in my life, someone who's hurt my family. And I'll tell you, it is really hard to love that person. Like really think about a self-sacrificing love. You see, Today, we're going to see how the Apostle John describes God's love towards sinners, his enemies. And if there's one thing I want you to take away from this message, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's this. It's that Jesus loves you so much that he came here to earth to die, not for his friends, But for his enemies, he died for sinners like you and like me. Why? So that we could receive eternal life. This is the kind of love that John is going to show us today in John chapter 3. The reality is that Christ's love for us reigns over us, reigns over those who are in Christ, those who believe that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for sin. And what we're going to see today, we're going to see three ways that John shows us just how to respond to this amazing kind of love as we celebrate Christmas today. So I want you to open up your Bibles, and we're going to be in John chapter 3, and we're going to go from verse 14 to 21 today. So let's go there now. John chapter 3, starting at verse 14, and it says this, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, uh, the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. Now, we've just got to look at a couple things of context first. The first thing that we need to understand is why is John writing this passage in this part of the Gospel of John? Well, the great thing about the Gospel of John is that he tells us exactly what he's doing. Who is John? He is the apostle. He is the beloved apostle of Jesus Christ. He walked with Jesus Christ throughout his entire ministry on earth. And what he says at the end of John, in chapter 20, verse 31, John says this. He says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. If you want, we want to know the purpose of the Gospel of John, we need look no further than this verse, which comes towards the end of the book. What John the Apostle wants you to know is that by believing in the name of Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. He wants to persuade you of this. He wants to convince you of this. And this is the context that we're in. Now, in this immediate part, here, when he starts talking about, about Moses lifting up the serpent, what's happening here is he's actually already had a conversation with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. And remember at the beginning of John chapter 3, he says, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he begins this discourse. And then we land here in verse 14. What Jesus is doing at this part is he's talking to Nicodemus. He's teaching Nicodemus, and of course, John is now teaching us that we must be born again. And then he begins this, this part that contains probably the most famous verse in the Bible about Moses being, uh, about God loving the world so much that he gave his only son. And this is where we begin right now. So now we are going to see that the first way that John calls us to respond is this. It's to look 
to Jesus. If you're taking notes, write this down. Look to Jesus. So let's dig into the text now. Remember, this says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This comes from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. And in this part, basically what's happened is that the Israelites, they're, uh, they're in the wilderness, and they've begun complaining. We've seen this time and time again, and God he sends these serpents, these snakes, to bite them. And, and there are just thousands of Israelites dying for this. Dying for complaining. You might think this is harsh, but when you complain against God, God sends these serpents, at least in the case of the Israelites, and it is totally fair and just of him to do. But he sends a grace through a bronze serpent and whenever Moses would lift up this serpent, those who had been bitten by the snakes, they would look to it and they would be instantly healed. They would show by looking at this serpent a bit of their faith, that they believed that this serpent, because God said it, would heal them of this sickness. They would be given new physical life by looking at the serpent. And so John uses this, and he says, at, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now this lifting up of the Son of Man, this lifting up of Jesus Christ, is when Jesus Christ was on the cross at Calvary. That moment when he was paying the penalty for our sins. It was a very grave moment in the history of the world. But it's that moment, as Jesus Christ is lifted up on that cross, that he paid the penalty for our sins. And John continues here. He says, For God so loved the world. Or, or maybe your translation says, For God loved the world in this way. Look at this that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, this is the gospel. If there is the gospel presented in one verse, this is it. Remember, this is Jesus having a discourse with Nicodemus, and he's saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about the kind of love that God must have to give his only son. You see, this, this giving of the son is sort of like the giving of that, that bronze serpent, the bronze snake. But it's just such a better representation. It's such a better uh, prize for those who look to the son lifted on the cross. You see, whereas the bronze serpent provided a physical healing from an ailment, the sun represents total spiritual healing. It, it represents, as people look towards Jesus and they look to the cross, it represents uh, the ability for a sinner like you and me to be able 
to be made right before God. We can stand before a holy God justified as we look to Jesus Christ. Now, now friends, this is an amazing act of love. See, God didn't just do this for some friends of his, for some, a spouse, a child. He did this for sinners, people like you and me, who've been running far from God. Think about the two men beside Jesus Christ on the cross and how they were both deserving of death because of what they had done. And yet the thief said, remember me. Jesus and Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise this man was not a good man he deserved to die and yet Jesus said you'll be with me why because he believed you see that's what John is trying to tell us he's saying look to the cross and believe <laughs> believe that Jesus Christ is the one God sent to save us from our sins. Let's think about really the full weight of this verse, about the fact that Jesus sent his son. He didn't have to send his son. He would have been perfectly righteous and just to not send the son and pay us all back for the evil deeds that we have done, but he didn't. He demonstrated this awesome this kind of love that we can't even understand here. Now, uh, my wife told me about a, a story about a Brazilian pastor who had gone to the Netherlands. And, and you may or may not know, but there's, there's a part of the city of Amsterdam, which is in the Netherlands, that is a really dark, a really spiritually dead part of the city. It's called the Red Light District. And in this district, there are streets where there are these sort of shops with windows in them. And in the windows, unfortunately, are prostitutes. Women who are selling their bodies and men who are going by buying these women's bodies in prostitution. And so this pastor was in Amsterdam and he saw this young man sitting on the street and he had this shirt and on this shirt, it said, I was born to go to hell. What a sad state of affairs for this young man. And this pastor just felt compassion. And obviously this compassion came from the Lord. And so he said to the young man, he said, I love you. And this young man said, no, you don't. Nobody loves me. Now, it turns out this young man, he was born by a prostitute who had become pregnant through one of her clients. He lived a terrible life. and He thought that nobody could love him for who he was. And it's like he just knew that he was destined for hell. And what this pastor said to him next, he said, you know what? I love you, but I'll tell you, God loves you more. And, and by grace... God eventually opened up the eyes of this young man and he saw that in fact, despite whatever history or past or, or problems or anything that had happened in his life, that God loved him 
Why did he know? How did he know that God loved him? Because he read these verses and he saw, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die. Even though this man had had a terrible life, he, he knew he was a sinner and he learned that despite his sin, God sent his son to pay the penalty. Look, friends, I want to encourage you today as we think about Christmas Day, let's not lose sight with all of the, the, the parties, the presents, and, and, and all of the, the, the glamour of Christmas. Let us not lose sight of the fact that we are joyful today as we look to the cross knowing that Jesus, the very fact that he was born, was the starting point of his doing what he had to do, which was to die for us. He came to earth as a man to do what? To die for sinners to die for those who are his enemies. You need to know today that Jesus Christ, he loves you. He loves you so much that as Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for you. He died for you. Why? Because of love. A self-sacrificing, righteous love. God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. Will you look to the cross today for salvation, to have eternal life? This is what John the Apostle, he, he wants you to believe this. This is John, remember, the one who walked with Jesus for three years. He wants you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Will you believe that today? So, as we've seen, John calls you to respond to Christ's love by looking to the cross to have eternal life. But he continues and provides some clarity, which helps us know the extent of our need for Christ on the cross. And in this, he calls us, and this is for our, the second way that we are to respond, is to avoid the danger of disbelief. Again, we have got to avoid the danger of disbelief. Oh, what he says here in verse 17, he says, for God did not send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Now, let's unpack this here. It might seem a little strange. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But it's interesting, if we just turn a couple pages in John chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, for the father judges no one, but has given all judgment 
to the Son. And in verse 27, he continues, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And if we turn just a few more uh, pages over to verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 39, it says, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world. So we have to ask the question, what's going on here? Why is John saying here that he did not send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him? Well, this is a great question, but I think there's really two answers to this question. The first answer, I think, comes through the difference between authority and purpose. You see, here in John chapter 3, uh, John is trying to show us uh, the purpose of God. You see, uh, Jesus' purpose in coming to the world, his purpose in being born, which is what we're celebrating here on Christmas, the purpose was not to condemn the world. But the thing is, he is given the authority to judge the world. In fact, the word translated condemn here is the same word that's translated judge in chapter 5 and chapter 9. So it's the same word that John is using. But Jesus' purpose in coming here is not to condemn. The purpose in coming here, because he doesn't need to come here to condemn the world. You know, he, he can do that from heaven. The purpose in coming here, the reason why we're celebrating Christmas during this season is because he came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, that you, that I would be saved through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I think the second thing that we can understand in order to understand how Jesus is both the judge and yet not here to condemn is what John writes you know, directly afterwards in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, what we need to understand about this is that our world, ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and brought sin and death into the world. This is what has caused our world to be fallen. The world is already condemned. Jesus doesn't have to judge anything because the world is already condemned because of sin. And yet something really interesting in here, because John doesn't say in this verse that we're condemned because of our works. He gets to that shortly afterwards. But what he's saying is that it's your lack of belief that is condemning you. You know, what's so amazing about this is that the very fact that we now have the full revelation about who Jesus is increases the condemnation for those who reject Jesus Christ. You see, John, who was a Jew, he, he knew that there would be Jews who would be reading this. And as he writes at the beginning of the Gospel of John in chapter 1, he says that those to whom Jesus came rejected him. So he knows that people are going to hear about Jesus Christ, and they're going to reject Jesus Christ anyway. And so he writes this. He says, the world is already condemned. That's why Jesus, he doesn't come to this world to condemn. Sin has been passed through Adam 
to us. We, uh, we inherit this sin, but we continue in that. Now, John continues. He says, not only is it because that we do not believe in the name of the only Son of God, but he says in verse 19, and this is the judgment. Again, this word judgment is the same word used for condemn. He says, the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness. You know, the reason why earlier in this chapter, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that you must be born again. It's because your first birth is a birth into sin. It's a birth into unrighteousness. It's a birth into darkness. Your very nature in your first birth is a nature of evil. In Isaiah, it even says in, in some versions, it says your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. So even the things that you do, which are righteous, are like filthy rags to God. Because we don't do righteous deeds with a pure heart. And yet imagine all of our unrighteous deeds. There's this clear line of distinction in this passage between light and darkness. Your first birth is the birth of darkness. But when Jesus says you must be reborn, this rebirth is through faith, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And as you're born again, born, as Jesus says, of the water and of the Spirit, you are given a new heart. You're no longer the one who just walks in darkness, who loves the darkness. You're the one who now walks in the light. You're made a new person. You are born again. What John wants us to know is that we, we need to avoid the danger, the danger of our sinfulness, the danger of, of walking in the darkness. You know, imagine you're, you're driving on a mountainous road. You're just driving on this road. You don't know what, what lays ahead, but you're enjoying the ride. And all of a sudden, someone comes up and he says, hey, stop, stop right there. Don't go any further because over there, there's a cliff and, and you won't even see it. You're going to get to this cliff and you're just going to fall right off and you're going to die. It's perilous. It's dangerous. Don't go there. What would you do? What would you do if someone came up to you and said that? Would you just continue driving on and just say, well, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. I don't know what's going on here. I'm just going to keep on going. Well, I don't think so. I think you're probably going to turn around and say, no, I'm going back down this mountain. I want to go back the other way. You see, this is exactly what John is doing here. See, he wants you to believe because he believes, because he has seen Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus Christ die on the cross, and then he saw Jesus Christ after he was resurrected, and he believed with all of his heart and with all of his soul that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He believed it. So he's writing this. He, he's warning you. If you are the person who is walking in the darkness, he says, stop. Don't go any further. Change your heart 
change your mind. Don't just keep going down this way because there's a cliff and if you keep going, you are going to fall off this cliff. Folks, we have got to keep this in mind that Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. We may not always think we're such bad sinners, but I'll tell you, the more that you read this book, you will realize your desperate need of grace. And yet that grace is found in Jesus Christ. This is what John is telling us. He says, when we live in the truth, we come to the light. But those who are wicked, they hate the light. They hate the light. They don't want their lives exposed. They don't want to show their lives to other people because they love the darkness. But I want to encourage you today, heed this warning. It's through the love of Christ that he has gone to the cross for you. Because he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave you this way. It's the way of Jesus. Like so many things we read in the Bible, there are two ways. The ways of righteousness, the ways of darkness, the, the, the ways of the wicked. John's warning us, don't continue down this path, but go down the path of righteousness. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. So we have seen that John has called us to look to the cross just as the Israelites looked to the bronze serpent. He's saying, look to the cross. And he says, and he says avoid the dangers that lie ahead through our unbelief. How does he finish here? What do we do now? Well, and that brings us to the third way that we are to respond to John's message here, which is to adore Christ with your life. In verse 21, he, he concludes this part and he says this, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. Now, what he's not saying, he's not saying go out there and tell everyone how wonderful you are because of all the righteous works you've done because you have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not that at all. But it's that your own life will naturally show, it will naturally demonstrate to those around you that there's something different. That you don't speak to people the same way once you're in Christ as the way you did when you were outside of Christ. It's that you don't treat people the same way that you used to when you were dead in your sins, when you were in the darkness. It's that you've embraced the love of Christ and you know what He has done and that Christ is working in you. You start treating people in a way that's different. People will just naturally see there's something different about you in your life. You don't need to tell everyone of all the great things that you've done. They're going to see naturally in your day-to-day -day life how you're living or something different. It's when you open up your mouth and you share the good news, you share that Jesus Christ loves other people, that's when you're showing this light. It's because when you put your faith in the name of Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, 
only way to redemption, it's that in this, you can live in the light. You start putting off the darkness. Now, now why do I say adore Christ with your life? Well, this kind of humble walking with Jesus, right? Not the ostentatious, look how great I am as a Christian, but just the humble walking day to day, confessing your sins, repenting of sinful ways. It's this, this humble walking, which is a way that we adore Christ. And this word adore or adoration, this is like worship. This is the word used for worship. Think about this. Sometimes we think of the word worship, like let's worship Christ. We think of this word worship, and sometimes this word worship can become sort of just a day-to-day term. Oh, I'm going to church to worship. Oh, I'm singing worship songs. But actually, our worship needs to happen every day through every aspect of our lives. When we say the word adore Christ, and we, we adore Christ with joy, what we're doing is we're saying that we, we adore him with our entire being. We adore the things that he's doing in the lives of other believers. We adore the things he's doing in our own lives, in the lives of our family members. We adore and we worship him. We keep him front and center in every aspect of our lives. This word adore in other languages like Portuguese is the word used for worship. Think about, like you might say, uh, you might have a child that you just adore. It's because you just love that child so much. The love of Christ that he's given you through faith is the kind of love that allows you to adore him. And so as you're walking day by day, living in the light, walking and living for the light, you're walking and living in a way that is adoring Jesus Christ. You adore him. You love him. You'll want to do anything for him. Maybe you struggle with certain sins, but you want to put those off. You want to live more in the light. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that those who have truly put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ are going to just continually walk in the darkness and they're going to lose their ability to go to heaven. No, for those who are in Christ, those who have put their trust and faith in the name of Jesus Christ, those sins that happen, those might be stumbling blocks, but they're opportunities for more and more grace. They're the kinds of things that Jesus will work through you. You don't need to fear losing your salvation. You need to know that you are now a child of the light. You have been born again to a new life, regenerated for the love of Christ. Again, this faith comes only as a result of being born again by putting off the old self and putting on the self, the new self which is righteous in Christ, not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ on us. When we walk in this humble way, we're walking in the peak of worship. We're living in the peak of worship. It's that we know, you know, you don't deserve God's love, but you've received it anyway. You know that you didn't do anything to earn it, and yet it's yours to keep. And you know that by grace, 
it has been given to you. So as we close, I want you to reflect on God's love today, particularly as we consider this wonderful season of Christmas. Remember that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that the very purpose of him coming here to earth was to die for you. What a great joy we can have in that, knowing how much he loves us for doing that. He lived as a man, God. He came to earth. He lived as a man. He died a death of utter humility. And he did this for you. Think about that. He did this for you. He loves you. He wants you. And he died for you. He died why? So that you and I, sinners, enemies of God, people who were walking in the darkness, running far from the Lord, running far from God, that we could be made righteous in his sight. This is an amazing truth. It's something that we'll never totally understand until we are with Jesus Christ in heaven. We can have eternal life when we believe this truth. So what do we do? What do we do now? We look to Christ. We remember that just as the Israelites looked to the bronze serpent, we look to Christ as our Lord and Savior. We also must avoid the dangers that lie ahead when we disbelieve, when we reject that Jesus Christ is the only way, when we reject that there's danger that lies ahead. Let us avoid that. Let us live in the grace of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And thirdly, we adore him. We worship him with all of our hearts. Let us live our lives to worship Jesus Christ. So this year, I want to ask everyone who's watching this message, let this spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the love of Christ, remembering his purpose in coming here, the reason why we're celebrating Christmas today, let every day for the next 365 days be the days when we worship Jesus Christ and his birth, remembering the purpose that he came to die for you and for me. When things get hard or when things become a little easier, let us worship him. Let us look to that cross, that cross at Calvary, those sweet moments when Jesus not only died, but then he was resurrected, when he paid the penalty for our sins. And if you're here today, if you're listening to this message, and if you have never confessed your sins, if you have never repented of your sinful and dark past, if you've never come to the light, if you've never recognized Jesus Christ as your one and only Savior, or if you're, if you're playing around with your faith, if you're just very religious but not really faithful, if you walk in the darkness, I want to call you today. There's a reason why you're listening to this message. I, I don't want you to wait any longer to put your trust, your faith, your hope in the name of the only Son of God. If you feel like God doesn't love you, I want you to read 
these words, these men, this man, John, the apostle, who walked with Jesus, who believes these things that he's writing. I, I, I want you to know that these, these words are true, that Jesus Christ died, he died for you. He doesn't expect anything. There's nothing you can do to pay the penalty for your own sins. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. The only thing you can do is believe. I want to call you to that today. Will you pray right now? Will you thank God for how much love he has shown on you? For loving you as much as he loved that he would give his son? Will you pray that now? Will you thank him for that? He loves you. And his love reigns over you day by day. Maybe there's some days that you don't feel it, but it's true. His love is reigning over you. For those who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, His love is, is never-ending. It will never cease. Let us remember that day by day as we live for Christ. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much today as we celebrate Christmas, the birth of your Son. Lord, we thank you that the very reason that we celebrate the birth is because of what your plan was from the beginning, which was to send your Son, not to just show us a new way of life, but to die to pay the penalty of sins, the sins that we committed, Lord, we believe that Jesus lived a sinful life. And we believe that the work that he did on the cross that day on Calvary was sufficient to pay for our sins. Lord, so we just thank you. We bow down before you today in total worship, in total adoration, as we look to the cross and as we flee from the darkness. Lord, we run to you. We give you all the glory. You deserve it all. We don't deserve any of it, but we, we're so thankful. For those of us who are in Christ, we thank you for bringing us into the kingdom. Lord, for opening up our eyes to the truth. And Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this message. If there's someone who just needs to know who you are, let them heed these truths. Let them run from the danger. and Let them run into your loving arms. There's no one who can love any more in you, Lord, and we thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus.